Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Yeah, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. What's up, everyone? It's Nick. Amanda has bowed out of this episode because we have some important news to address that we will get to here in a bit. But I am joined by Ryan, who is back after a semi-absence last episode. He has a lot to say. We're going to get to this. It's going to be a great episode. Be sure to check out the HalfStreetHighHeat.com website, where we have a new YouTube video profiling Kyle Schwarber done by OPT and Tyler, our content creators. We have a bunch of new blogs by Matt, CK, and Monty. They are pumping out content nonstop, and tomorrow they're profiling Jan Gomes, who's an interesting bounce-back candidate. And, as always, I mean, if you're listening, you're checking out the show. So we appreciate it. And we have some new merch that dropped on the on the Half Street High Heat store, so be sure to check that out. Ryan, I would ask you how you're doing. And I would, you know, talk, I had a great weekend of good eats started by <laughs> Friday night chilies. I had a great burger. I love chilies. I had another great burger yesterday, um, but we're not here to, you know, dilly dally. No tomfoolery, no ballyhoo. We have some business we do to address. 
we knew this day was coming and it's here and we never thought it'd be here but here we are so uh without further ado the floor is yours <laughs> yeah um i just want to give you thanks for uh joining my press conference today um i was trying to do like my bill belichick voice when he was like up there with this like fancy shirt during the all the whole deflate gay things but yeah um i got freaking clapped i got clapped i knew the day was going to come i'm surprised it took this long i'm a little upset that it only was for 2019 copyright. yeah a, copyright a freaking win video in 2019 which became a huge hit Everyone loved the win videos, and the win videos is what got me down because that was my sixth strike. So my account's probably dead. I'm never going to get it back, you know? And they said, when falls the Coliseum, Rome shall fall. And when Rome falls the world, the great Lord Bynum, the Coliseum has fallen. The Coliseum is dead. That was Shaq. Rome shall fall as well. That was all of Shaq, right? Shaq is the Coliseum. That was me getting suspended. My account. That's Rome. And when Rome falls, the world. All of my movements are dead. I'm here announcing that right now, that my movements as of right now are dead. The Trey Turner 2021 NL MVP movement, dead. The Patrick Corbin Fury movement, dead. The birds aren't real, dead. It's all dead right now. I am currently fighting some legal issues. I cannot go into them as of right now because they're legal matters until I get my Twitter account back. Twitter support, if you're listening to us, please email me back. Um, if I do not get my Twitter account back, it's just going to be rest in peace to all of my movements. Cause it's not the same. There's just not, I don't know, like creating new accounts sucks. Do not recommend it. Um, I don't recommend anyone getting any DMCA strikes, especially six of them. I should have known I should have deleted them after five, but I did it. That's on me. So yeah, all of my movements are dead. I have been clapped. I do have a new Twitter account at Shaq is dead because Shaq is dead. I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah, and it's going to stay like that until I hear back from Twitter support. And in the meantime, all of my movements are dead because the Colosseum has fallen. Rome has fallen. The Roman Empire has fallen. I was Caesar, and Twitter just sent me <laughs> et to brute. All right, en enough, of, <laughs> enough of the Rome stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right ryan will be taking no further questions at this time uh um, there'll be no more questions do you have any questions, questions? <laughs> man it's it was a good four and a half year ride but i agree there is a little bit of disappointment in what inevitable or ultimately got you clapped um considering <laughs> there was plenty more that was uh unappreciated i guess in terms of things to piss off twitter support i got too big it was, I, I thought that was invincible. You know, I, I can honestly agree with that. Shaq kind of, you know, you kind of plateaued. You got a little old there in the middle. Um, I know. I, I, I didn't know what my brand was. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what Shaq was. And I had to, I had to rebrand and find my stride. And I agree. I agree. Because, you know, you hit 3,000 and you were stuck there for a while. And you even dropped. Well, that's because I, I, I unleashed the war. I unleashed the war on a certain type of population. Well, this is true. <laughs> this summer <laughs> and then twitter unleashed the war and then you lost even more yeah but so you, you did below before that, that. but then you, even when you got clapped you're only 3026 which is no small feat but you you plateaued there a little bit so this is an opportunity for a rebrand you're doing what the nats have refused to do and you're rebuilding exactly so. i sold off everything i sold off the hedge fund right i got out yeah i was GameStop. forced out 
I don't need a judge to tell me to do community service. <laughs> but he did, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is the judge telling me to do community service. And this is my community service by giving up Shaq. So that's why your Shaq is dead now. That's why I am Shaq is dead. I am throwing my own funeral right now. <laughs> like Dan's funeral. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a sad day. And it was really cool to see Twitter get behind it and see how many lives you've touched. I mean, we have full-fledged, full-scale reporters tweeting about how Shaq will be back. So, RIP Shaq. Go check out the merch. Respect to our fallen leader. And uh, we'll see what the future holds. But we got a nice foundation for Ryan going forward. I mean, 300 followers in less than a day is pretty good. I mean, it's not, no 3,000, but Shaq will be back. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. The future is untold. Future is untold. But back to me, I had a great eats weekend, man. I mean, I had phenomenal chilies. I tried to do chilies once a month to, you know, support my local chilies, but missed February just because of being in Florida. But I was like, hey, you know, there's a chilies right down the road. I need to go try this J- Lucky Jameson margarita. Holy hell. So good. And, you know, for those of you who maybe not, not the the biggest alcohol drinkers one what are you doing two it's only five dollars only five dollars for the margarita of the month is it's too good not to do it's too good of a deal not to do especially when you have the to-go margaritas for only five dollars are you kidding me so very dangerous and they just introduced the gallon bag of margaritas right now it's forty dollars on march 13th so in five days, four days if you're listening to this, mark your calendar because you can get a gallon bag of margarita for $30. Might have to indulge on that. But I had a great Chili's. had a great uh, – I had another burger from this, like, modern American place yesterday. Banging. Um, I had something else. It was just a good eats weekend. I, I was living my best life. But other than Shaq being clapped, how was your weekend? Um, my weekend was good. I – I cooked this weekend as always. I, I was feeling some barbecue, you know? I want some mm-hmm. delicious barbecue. Mm-hmm. So I made myself some uh, uh, brisket. I was going to cook it in the slow cooker for 10 hours. I didn't want to get up that early on Saturday. And two, I was missing a crucial ingredient. So I was like, whatever. I'll just throw it in the oven and slow roast it. Came out beautiful as always. Um, I also made a homemade potato salad. I made my own baked beans. And I made some mac and cheese with it. Mwah. Voila. Also with the jacket Coke. I did not have chilies this weekend, but I did have chilies the weekend before. And yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And I'm still eating my brisket because I bought like a seven pounder and I didn't eat a seven pounder. I could have gotten like a two pounder. <laughs> it just looks so good. <laughs> All right. So oh, I guess normally a man talks about something we don't care about now, but we can get right into the weekend review. So l- hit us with it. Yeah, we are in the deep of spring training but still important things are happening one of those is the revenue sharing after that being halted in 2020 due to due to the pandemic major league baseball's revenue sharing system between big market and small market teams is returning in 2021 but there is a catch small market clubs will only receive half of the normal amount this year and the other half being deferred in 2022 The league will be covering the 2021 payments in a form of a loan with the larger market teams expected to pay back, pay and will be back before 2024. Major League Baseball is a loan shark. 
Typical. Uh, Sam Dyson is suspended the entire 2021 season for domestic violence. Chicago announced today that they will allow 20% fan capacity for both the Cubs and the White Sox. Shockingly, California also announced that they will allow fans at all their professional stadiums as well. Three big name players are currently away from teams due to breaking COVID protocol. The biggest name, Jose Ramirez. There is something about being in Cleveland and breaking protocol, but Jose Ramirez didn't blame the media for his own mistakes. Jake Odorizzi signs a contract with the Astros. Mets announced that they will begin contract negotiation talks with Francisco Lindor at Zoom. The Braves Network's Fox Sports South and Southeast launch a new network. The only issue is their new network is not covered by all TV carriers. So while you may be upset that the Nats don't have spring training games right now, you may be a Braves fan and not be able to watch regular season games. So it could be worse. This, series, this has been your week in review, and it's brought to you in part by your local neighborhood chilies. Nick talked about we're hammering at home on March 13th this year. Celebrate Chili's birthday with us and get yourself a gallon-to-go container of Chili's world-famous margarita for the great price of $30 on the 13th. That's right, one gallon. I'll be ordering it, and you can be ordering it also. You can stop on by, or you can order carry out and pick it up, whatever works with you, and get yourself the one-gallon-to-go margarita on Chili's birthday. That is on the 13th. This has been your Week in Review. Yeah, kind of uh, good timing with the Astros signing Odorizzi, because didn't they have another injury in their, bo- or in their uh, rotation? Yeah, they did. He was the second guy. And they immediately signed out the Rizzi after yeah, that. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Oh, well, Framber Valdez was one, but I thought they had another guy for some reason who's undergoing Tommy John. Might have been one of their prospects. But uh, curious to see how that team looks because I think we all had them winning the division. So we'll see if that pitching can hold up. Oh, and I mentioned this um, to you guys over the weekend, but I completely forgot Justin Verlander's out for the season. But we didn't mention that when we did the uh, AL West. I just completely forgot about him. Yeah, I forgot that he had uh, he had TJ as well, so he's out for the season. So That's we'll true. see. Well, I mean, he's what like thirty seven. Yeah, he's so, he's an old guy. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have to see how his career finishes out. Um, but other than that, I mean, pretty straightforward. Like you said, we're in the the deepest spring training. So let's get to some Nats notes from spring training. This is your weekly spring training update. The Nats. Are you know, I feel like we talk about this every week, but Mike Rizzo said today that the Nats plan to offer contract extensions to Trey and Soto soon. We've talked about this a lot, um, mainly because it needs to be done. So it's good to see, I guess, they're at least thinking about it and talking about it. But Ryan, what is your initial takeaway on this? Yeah, so Rizzo's exact quote was, we've discussed internally with ownership about it. We're in the midst of making decisions on what the time frame would look like. We certainly have made and will make a long-term extension offer to both players sometime in the near future. Don't really know what that means. Um, kind of just sounds like it's fan- fanfare at the moment. I don't expect either player to sign soon. It is encouraging that they want to make offers to them because I feel like there is a huge sense of cert- um, urgency with them. You know, this team's strength has always been to rotation, and they've always been pumping young guys and just had the vets around them now. The rotation has a ton of question marks. It's not as good as it used to be. They don't have a lot of those young guys that they're pumping out. Robles and Keyboom could help out big time, but there is big certainty here. I believe that Trey Turner is going to wait until next season after free agency to sign. Why? 
look who the shortstop free agents are. He's going to watch that market to see how that comes to him. I do not think his agent or his agency will let him in good faith sign before that because when the, when the market resets this offseason, he's going to get more. And then you look at Juan Soto, we all know who his agent is. His agent, Scott Boris. Scott Boris is not due contract negotiations. He plays you and plays every single team and links it out through John Heyman to get the most money possible. The Nats can make a contract offer. We'll see what happens, but I do not expect Juan Soto. Well, let me rephrase that. I don't expect Scott Boris to accept any contract offer for Juan Soto until he hits free agency because Scott Boris knows what he has. If Juan Soto keeps up the pace stays on, he's going to get well over $400 million. He's not going to get $500 million like the, I saw that article last week. That's asinine, but he could get $400 million if he keeps this up. Scott Boris knows that. He knows he has a special player. He's going to make sure Trey, uh, Juan Soto hits free agency. Yeah, and with Trey, you hit the point that I was going to bring up. Like For the Nats, they already missed window one, I guess, to get him signed before anyone signed an extension. And they missed that window when Tati signed his granted his was, you know, groundbreaking because we've never really seen that. I mean, yes, yeah, Stanton did. And I guess Harper did, but for someone with as little experience as Tati's, it was groundbreaking. So I don't, I think that might've caught the Nats by a little off guard, but for the Nats, it makes sense to try to lock Trey up now before Lindor story Baez all, sign extensions or their free agent contracts um, some of which are coming up this offseason with Story and Lindor so you know that's going to be you know say they get a 25 million dollar AAV or something like that maybe even higher if you know Trey doesn't have any competition at the source shortstop position uh, for the 2022 free agency class he's going to get that money even though he might not be on the same tier as Story or Lindor He's close, but he might not be on the same level. So it, it benefits the Nats to try to sign him now. But Ryan, as you said, it benefits Trey to wait. If he can, if he wants to bet on himself for this next year, he's going to get paid. Even if he has a kind of a down 2022, he's going to get paid based on what he did this year. Um, if he continues his 2020 success. So sucks there. Uh, as for Soto, um, it's, I don't think there's really anything the Nats could do short of a Mike Trout like extension, um, which they could do if they really wanted to, but it's going to take that level of here's what you deserve. Take it, stay here, which the Nats have not really been known for. Yes. They extend uh, extended Steven Strasburg, but Strasburg went to Boris saying, I want to stay with DC. So there's a little bit of a different scenario. I don't see Juan Soto doing that because and this isn't an exaggeration. He might be the best player ever to hit free agency if he continues to do what he's doing. Mike Trout never hit free agency. Uh, I mean, maybe A-Rod if you want to, you know, go there. But Juan Soto is definitely going to be one of the best players who hit free agency should he continue. So it doesn't make sense for Boris or Soto to accept any of the Nationals extension offers unless it is, you know, a record breaker. Um, something like Trout got, which it's kind of hard to do, even though Juan Soto is that good. So kind of just a wait and see. I agree with you, Ryan. I don't think any extensions happen, which stinks because it just leaves us in limbo. Um, but like we talked about with the offseason grades, the Nats kind of set themselves up for this 
with, you know, two years of Bell for a cheap trade, one year Schwarber, um, one year of Hand, one year of Lester. Scherzer are coming off the books next year. Like 2021 is going to be – or offseason 2021 going into 2022 is a little bit of a reset. So it kind of gives them an opportunity to take a step back and look at what they're doing. So that way, if they do need to pivot and go in a different direction, they can. All right, moving on. The fifth spot in the rotation is Joe Ross's right now. I think we all kind of expected this, but even more so with John Lester uh, having thyroid surgery, I believe it was. Um, Mm -hmm. He should be back for the opening day, but who knows how his, you know, warm-up, ramp-up with spring training is affected by this, which, you know, we saw last year. People didn't have a real spring training, and they were not the same players at all. So it very well could affect him. But, you know, that just helps Joe Ross's case, even though he missed last season. So I don't think this is surprising, but I, I, I don't really know what to make this. I don't know. Yeah, Joe Ross made his spring debut today. Um, it was the first time he's pitched in well over a year, and he looked good. He went 1.2 yeah. innings, one hit, one run, one walk, and he had three strikeouts. Um, after the game, Davey said that Joe Ross is going to stay, stay in the five-man rotation as now, and he said they're going to try to get him five starts before the season. Um, expectation is he'll be throwing around 50 pitches in his next start, and they're going to ramp up his pitch count in every single one of his starts. Eric Fetty and Austin both have recently come out of the bullpen in spring training, and they're going to keep doing so, it appears. It appears that they're going to let Joe Ross finally have one thing and just let it ride and let Eric Fetty and both battle for the long man rotation, which is the right thing because Eric Fetty has looked terrible. He's looked really bad this spring training. I know spring training does not matter, and a lot of guys are overperforming in spring training right now because there's absolutely nothing to do this spring. I'm mean, sorry, there's nothing to absolutely do this winter. All there was for guys to do was to work out and train. All these guys are in great shape. They're going to be overperforming for what they really are. Eric Fetty, unfortunately, did it. He stinks. So he should be coming out of the bullpen, and it's Joe Ross's time. Um, hopefully they finally let him stick instead of just giving him two starts and sending him over to this place and that place. Let oh, Joe man. Ross fly. Yeah, I, you can, it's been so long now, you kind of forget that's how Joe Ross is tenure in the MLB has gone with the Nats. It's been anything but consistent, and it's not necessarily due to uh, lackluster performance. It's because the Nats haven't really given him the opportunity to stick in one role. Like you you talk about Carter Keboom, he was brought up last year, um, made the, the opening day roster, but wasn't the starting third baseman, and then he didn't get regular ABs, and he had serious regression from what we saw in a brief sample in 2019. So it's the same thing can be applied to Ross. So this is great news in that regard. You're absolutely right. Um, Ryan, you missed the talk last episode when we talked about uh, Rutledge and Cavalli with, you know, Fetty seriously struggling. I don't know how you can keep him or count on him at all and both being anything but consistent. Do you see a serious opportunity for either of them um, this year? Things have to go very, very, very wrong if either of them come up this year. I don't think they should touch the majors. I think they should just keep be fine-tuning. The Nationals keep calling up their guys way too early, and it kind of ruins their development. Just let these guys go in the minors. Let them be. Just let them go. Um, if they're worried about depth, go sign 
um what's his name what's his name what's his name he was literally just here uh and sanchez like a minor league contract there's cheap yeah. vets out there you can sign just let your young guys be did we'll to, let them keep developing did Teheron sign um i think he just did a workout for a bunch of people actually yeah because i know him and sanchez were working out together but those are two veteran names right that right there that can eat innings should anyone go down um but considering we don't really have i think if a spot in the rotation opened up i think both would get the first shot and then probably fetty but fetty only has one option left so if he if he doesn't make the team then you know you're kind of stuck with when do we call him up knowing we might inevitably call him or put him back down once so and so gets healthy so just something to keep an eye on but the weirdest news of the weekend and it's a bummer that Shaq got clapped when he did because I feel like part of the reason Shaq got clapped was he was on to something big. I was Jeremy all Jeffress. this story. Yeah. I'm, I, I know what Twitter's doing. You were too close to something big and Twitter clapped you for it. And that's just, that's just wrong. Where's the freedom of the press? It's absolutely unreal. The press is, I mean, just, that's just a whole separate topic. I am being persecuted, <laughs> but this is the weirdest news because you don't cut someone this early in camp unless something happened. Um, they announced that they cut him for personnel reasons, not personal reasons, personnel reasons, which was very odd. Jeremy Jeffries tweeted before us announced that his agent ruined his life. I was like, this is very odd. So I went through it, finds out the guy he tagged who said it was his agent hasn't been his agent since 2019. Um, he also posted some very, very weird TikTok, which, by the way, I found first. Posted some very weird TikTok of him, like, talking about how hard it is to be an agent. Like, there's no money in it or everything. It was very odd. So my suggest- my my thing is I think his agent kind of, like, planted some seeds about uh, Jeffrey's past issues, which, by the way, is just marijuana. Like, that's not really an issue. But I feel like there's something that happened with his agent. And I was onto it, and Twitter knew that. The FBI knew it, just like with birds, and they clapped me. Um, it's weird because Rizzo asked about again, did not give a lot of information. He said they're just going to keep it at that, just personnel reasons. So something happened behind the scenes because it's very uncharacteristic for people to get cut this early in, in camp, especially before you pitch. Usually, if it is, it's an injury, um, something else, like undisclosed. but. I don't know, something happened, especially like my first thought was like, oh, domestic violence or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But then it turned out there was kind of just a petty Twitter feud going on. So I was like, I don't really think that's it, because if it was, the Nats will release a statement about it. So the fact that they didn't says it's kind of some weird, something weird that like isn't that big of a deal. But one, they clearly did not want any part of in the clubhouse. So they're like, you're out. Do you think this had anything to do with the reason he only got a minor league deal? Because that was kind of surprising. I mean, we saw freaking Sam Clay get a guaranteed one-year, $1 million deal for a major league contract, but Jeremy Jeffers, who was a finalist for NL Reliever of the Year just last year, granted an abbreviated sample, but with how volatile relievers are, I would have expected him to get something guaranteed and not a minor league deal You know, a week before spring training started. Um, so do you think these two are connected? Oh, hundred percent. Like I thought that was the issue. I feel like he was mad at his agent cause he was a reliever of the year nominee last year, mad as agent for only getting him 
a minor league deal. But then it turned out that wasn't his agent. So I feel like there's still some type of anger about the fact that he only got a minor league deal and not the type of deal that he wanted. So I think that's definitely possible. Yeah, this is just the weirdest news. And Rizzo has been, this broke, I believe it was Saturday. And Rizzo has been asked about it multiple times since then. And he has declined to go any further. And Jeffers just, you know, says he's innocent. And his agent just gets, or former agent just gets defensive whenever anyone tags him in anything on Twitter. So super, super weird. I know we were all pretty um, excited about the possibility of Jeffress joining an already pretty solid bullpen. So now that dream is dead. So um, we'll have to see how it shakes out. But Wanderers Rara has been looking good. So that kind of helps minimize that damage. But moving on, before we get to our AL Central, yeah, AL Central division preview today, we got to talk Manscaped talked about it before going to continue talking about them we're hamming down the promos this episode fellas it's getting a little bit warmer it's supposed to be above 70 this week congrats i mean i i've been in 80 degree weather for the past two months but you know um it's supposed to get warmer so you got to take care of yourself you know you might get a little, a little sweaty down there you gotta use the crop reviver it's a spray on toner for your balls yes it is it's made with soothing aloe and which hazel extracts that will give your balls a boost. Do keep everything fresh down there. You don't want it swampy or sweaty. Keep it fresh. There's also the Crop Preserver, anti-chafing ball deodorant to keep your balls sticking to your or from sticking to your legs. And um, sorry, I, <laughs> my uh, my ad read just like refreshed. But guys, you have to do this. We use it. Manscaped sends us stuff every month. It's life-changing. You don't know you need it until you use it, and then you don't want to be without it, especially if you're going anywhere. Just even going for a stroll down the street, you need it. You will thank me. You will thank Manscaped. We got you covered. Go to manscaped.com. Use promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping. You will not regret it. You get 20% off your entire order. I mean, everyone has had an experience where they've gotten a promo code. They're like, hey, let me go to this website. And then you end up finding something you want. It's happened to all of us. It'll continue happening to us. It can happen to you now. Go to Manscaped. Check out their amazing products. Amazing. Whether it's apparel, comfy boxers, any of the products that you subscribe. Or you just want to go classic with the lawnmower. There is a product for you. So we encourage you to go check it out today. HSHH20 on Manscaped. And as I mentioned earlier, check out the Half Street High Heat shop. We have some brand new merch that just dropped today. It'll be on sale for the next two days. Two days. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, Thursday, the sale ends. So be sure to check it out. Get it on sale. There will be sales later in the month, but this is the one you want. Get it while it's hot. I promise you, you're going to want to rep your favorite podcast. Brian, you ready to get into this? Let it ride. Let it ride. All right. So we're going to start with the, you know, one of the most hyped teams. The, their hype has kind of died down because a team like the Padres has obviously made all the moves they've made. A team like the Blue Jays, who we'll get to in a future episode. I believe it's next episode. A team like Blue Jays went out and made a big splash, George Springer. This team was 
considered to make, you know, be in the running for big splashes. Um, but they hired uh, <laughs> a, a racist head coach. I, I think that's fair. Racist manager. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest douchebags in the locker room uh, to play right field. And that is the Chicago White Sox. Ryan, what is your opinion on the White Sox for this year's AL Central? Yeah, the White Sox have gone through a pretty brutal three-year rebuild. Um, They did absolutely stock up their farm system in that three years, and it's paying dividends. Um, They're showing that now they're building themselves into a World Series contender. They went out and they did get Larusa, who I think is a terrible hire, but that was them signaling that, hey, we're going to get a veteran coach to help with this young team. They entered the offseason. Their biggest need, one of their biggest needs, was starting pitching. So they signed um, Lance Lynn. He's joining Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keiko, top of the rotation, and they also have a ton of young talent with Dylan Cease, Mike, Michael Kopech, and Reynaldo Lopez, just to name a few. So the rotation is young and it is very, very deep with all the arms they have. Um, Alex Kame is going to become a free agent, so they needed to get a closer, and they went out and signed the best reliever on the market in Liam Hendricks. So now they have Liam Hendricks and Aaron Bummer, which is a fantastic backhand duo, which is a very lethal backhand duo because both of them are locked down lefties, which is rare. Both of them can do the ninth inning. Both of them can do eighth inning, and they both do multiple innings. So Hendricks is, is a righty. I thought he was a lefty. Mm-mm, he's a righty. Even but there. I also forgot that the White Sox signed Hendricks, and I was saying Adam Eaton was their biggest signing of the offseason. <laughs> so I look pretty dumb, too. Um, yeah, so they needed to get pop in right field. For some reason, they, they brought back Adam Eaton. Don't know why they did. But they have a very good outfield of Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez. Unfortunately, that is absolutely ruined by Adam Eaton being out there. Adam Eaton sucks. Um, they didn't sign a designated hitter, so they're going to be turning in-house for that. But they do have some pretty good options with Zach Collins and Yerman Mercedes as well. And the backup catcher with James McCann leaving. They're going to their 2016 first round pick, um, which is going to be a fantastic addition. They're very excited about him. All in all, it was a good offseason. It's one that was signaling that they are ready. It was kind of like the Padres did a couple years ago, signaling that they are ready to compete. They're in a division that is completely wide open. And because of that, they are going to make a run. I don't think they're going to be nearly as good as everyone thinks they are. I think they're a year away, but I can see 85 to 87 wins this year for the White Sox, which will be fantastic considering how bad they've been. Yeah, I agree. Um, admittedly, I forgot they signed Leon Hendricks. I was thinking more towards a lineup because we heard them in talks for George, uh, George Springer and Marcelo Zuna, like one big bat and the biggest bat they signed was Adam Eaton, who just terrible. You know, it, it's very telling. Adam Eaton obviously started his career or, you know, played the majority of his career prior to the Nats with the White Sox. Obviously, we all know how that trade unfolded, da-da-da-da. Goes back to the White Sox. And he had some productive years with Chicago. And you would have thought that there would have been at least somewhat of a warm welcome. But there was absolutely not. And that's just telling, like, for all of you Eaton truthers, you know, that's the trump card. When the team that had him first does not want him back and they got him for the good years, that's all you need to know about a player's character. But as far as the rest of the team, the biggest thing going for them is just how bad 
or as you say, wide open the rest of the division is. I mean, the Indians are going the complete opposite direction. I mean, we talked about the Cubs last episode getting worse every single year. Um, from 2016, the Indians are doing the exact same and shedding important players in the process. But the White Sox have a serious chance, and they, they've made some great moves. Lance Lynn to shore up the, the kind of three-headed monster they have going on in their rotation. And as you saw with the Nats, I mean, if you have three workhorse pitchers, you can get stuff done if your offense is good enough. And there's reason to believe that, you know, um, Eloy Jimenez and uh, Luis Robert can kind of carry that, you know, offense. And they have people like Yasmani Grandal and Jose Abreu, MVP, to kind of round that out. So, you know, they could make a run should their pitching be, you know, as expected or as they hope. So I think, you know, somewhere around 88 wins is pretty reasonable. But if they do break 90, I wouldn't be too surprised considering they do play the Tigers. And should the Royals sell, which it looks like they're going to do, that's, you know, very easy padding um, to their win totals as well. So uh, they're still an exciting team. I wish they didn't sign or didn't hire Tony La Russa. That makes zero sense to me. But, um, you know, it is what it is. It's kind of like, you know, an 80-year-old guy driving like a Lamborghini. It just doesn't make sense to me. But we move on to the next team, and that is the Cleveland Indians, who we just mentioned. Uh, they traded away Francisco Lindor in the offseason. Coy Kluber, no longer with the team. Uh, they traded away Clevenger at last year's deadline. Uh, who who haven't they traded? I mean, it's a completely different team from the one you saw, you know, in 2016, certainly. Uh, they still have Jose Ramirez, but, you know, he's really kind of the last cornerstone piece they have. And it seems like they're still hoping they can compete. They do have a good young pitching staff, and they have uh, James Karinczak, if I'm not butchering his name, who looks to be the next great young reliever. So there is some promise there, but do they have enough, and will they make the moves to support that? Remains to be seen. Leaning no based on the direction they're going, but Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, so they're, they're going to look a lot different. There's a lot of notable faces that left. Carlos Carrasco is gone. Lindor, as you said, Carlos Santana is gone as well. But the good news for them, they're a lot younger. And they do have a replenished farm system, which is good. Um, I know Indian fans are upset at the return they got for Carrasco and Lindor, but it did help with big needs. The biggest needs was outfield bat. They did not address that this offseason. Uh, last year, they had the second worst batting average and the lowest slugging percentage in the majors. Um, they do have some internal options with Daniel Johnson and top prospect Nathan Jones, but their outfield is the biggest weakness they have. They do have Eddie Rosario, who they went out and signed. He's a terrible defender, but he's a pretty good hitter. Um, they're also going to be running out there with Josh Naylor and Oscar Mercadio are the people on top of their depth chart. So Eddie Rosario was a good move. The question is going to be, can he return defensively? They needed bullpen help as well as they parted ways with Brad Hand. As you already mentioned them, they have James Karinczak, however you say his last name, Emmanuel Clays, and Nick Wintergreen at the back of the pen. And then they went out and they did sign. Um, oh, sorry, they lost all their press. That's my fault. They did not sign him. So their bullpen, again, is questionable. But the good news is, so is every other team in baseball's bullpen. 
their infield again needed help. Cesar Hernandez was a free agent. They did bring him back, which locked down second base. Ahmed Rosario is going to be their shortstop of the future, who they are very excited about. You take them to and you add in Jose Ramirez, who's a young stud. That is a pretty solid infield. The infield is going to be the strength of the lineup. They also have a very, very underrated catcher in the name of Roberto Perez. Overall, it's a solid team. They are going to be able to feast off the worst teams in the American League. I do think they get to 85 wins. I don't think they'll win the division. But I think they're going to be right there around where they're going to try to make a move and try to go for it at the deadline. So I do have them winning 85 games this season. Yeah, I don't think I would be totally surprised if they won the division because they do still have a young foundation and it seems like they're trying to model the uh, Rays success in a way, just trying to get the most out of, uh, you know, these young underpay guys while they can and then flip them for more prospects and wash, wash, rinse, repeat. Um, But it's just a matter of will they make the moves to support that. Like I said, I don't know. Um, I think I have them a little bit lower than you do. I have them around 82 wins um, just because I don't see this ownership group putting the pieces in place to help them succeed and help them get over the hump. Unless, you know, this starting staff goes crazy, which, you know, very well could happen with Zach Plesak and um, what's the skinny dude's name? Help me out, Ryan. He made his debut last year. Which one? Uh, skinny dude. Um, so, God. Oh, that's going to bother me. They had a debut. Uh, Is it Tristan McKenzie? Tristan McKenzie. Thank you. I was, I was thinking Travis. No, Tristan McKenzie. Thank you. Zach Plesak and Tristan McKenzie are real. Zach Plesak, you will know, is the one who went on that COVID rant uh, in his car with no seatbelt after he got busted for breaking the protocols. Super weird situation, and that's ultimately what led to Mike Clevenger being traded as well. So something to monitor with with his character and COVID COVID protocol still in place. But that rotation is still very good, and they do have young, exciting pieces in place. So certainly a team to watch. Um, Moving on. So this is a team that has come out of the AL Central a few times over the past couple years, but another team that has very notably failed to get over the hump in the ALDS, and that is the Minnesota Twins. They lost Jake Odorizzi. Um, Ryan, I know you have the list in front of you, but I can't think of any major moves they've made otherwise this offseason. Can you enlighten me? I can, yes. The Twins last year thought they were going to finally become that team in the American League. They had a fantastic offseason. They had a strong roster, but then again, they can't win a playoff game to save their life, and they got bounced in the first round again. The Twins are good. This is still a very good team, and this is going to be the team that wins the American League Central. The question is, can they get past the hump? They lost Jake Odorizzi, and they lost Rich Hill in the offseason. They added Jay Happ to a one-year deal, and they also have um, Young, Arm, and Randy Dobnak to close out the rotation. So they have a pretty good rotation with Kenta Maeda, Jose Barrios, Michael Pineda, Jay Happ, and Randy Dobnek. That is a strong rotation with a lot of good proven arms in it. Their bullpen also faced a lot of question marks. They lost Trevor May, Tyler Clippard, Mike Wisler, and Sergio Romo. Um, They also have some young guys that they're developing, but don't really know what they have in them. So they went out and they made some pretty good moves on it. They did sign Alex Colomay, which was a fantastic move, and that does not hurt having a 
pretty good reliever in the back of your bullpen. Admin with some good young guys. They do have a lot of question marks in it, but like I said, most bullpens in baseball are bad. So right now their bullpen is their biggest weakness. They did bring back Nelson Cruz, which helps boost the lineup, which was already good even more. Um, they did lose Marlon Gonzalez, which kind of hurt, but they have some good guys that are going to be back healthy. Josh Johnson, Byron Buxton, um, Jorge Polanco should be as well. They did go out and sign Andrew and Simmons to play shortstop. So they added the best defensive shortstop in the game and someone who's slightly underrated. Um, defense was an issue with this team, so they went out and they signed him. They still have Sano, Jorge Polanco, Josh Allenson, Andrew and Simmons, Byron Buxton, and they're going to have Nelson Cruz as well. This is a big, this is a powerful lineup. With a good rotation, they're going to score a lot of runs. That's been the case the last couple of years. They're going to continue that, and they will win the American League Central with 89 wins. I don't think any team in this division gets to 90 this year, but if one does, it'll be them. I like it. Uh, I completely forgot about column A. Jay Happ was kind of just like a, a lateral move for me uh, with Rich Hill and um, whoever else I lost. Um, but, you know, this – is the team that led the MLB in home runs in 2019. And didn't they set the single season mark as well? They sure did. So this team thumps. And really the only thing different from that 2019 team is, I mean, Angelton Simmons, but Eddie Rosario, who isn't like a huge piece in terms of, you know, what they can do at the plate. I mean, they still have Mitch Garver, Nelson Cruz, uh, you know, top to bottom. They are loaded. Loaded, so I completely agree. And Kenta Maeda was a Cy Young finalist last season. Jose Barrios, it seems like he's a breakout pick every single year. Um, has disgusting stuff, one of the best sliders in the game. And, and, you know, they have a rounded out, a well-rounded out pitching staff to support them. Randy Dobnik, noted Uber driver. So, yeah, I agree. I have them a little bit higher. I have them at 92 wins, but still plenty uh, to win the AL Central. Moving on to a team that kind of had a surprisingly busy offseason, and that is the Royals. They kind of got it kick-started with Mike Miner, and uh, they signed Michael A. Taylor and made a couple other notable moves. They extended Hunter Dozier. Um, they have Jorge Soler, who seems to have finally kind of broken out a little bit, had 40 home runs in 2019. So... This is kind of a turning into a little bit of a young, exciting team, but do you think they can compete for the AL Central? I do not. The Royals are a couple years away, and if I had to compare them to any team, it would be the Marlins. Um, they had a pretty decent offseason, and they have a kind of a, a team that you don't really consider anything or even think of, but on paper, it's not that bad. It's not great. They're not going to win 80 games, but... They're they're gonna be tough out. There's they're not gonna be a steamroll like the Tigers are, like we're gonna talk about shortly. But they had a pretty good offseason for a team that was pretty tough financially. Um, outfield was a pretty big need for them. They signed Michael A. Taylor to help defensively. Um, he's gonna be competing with Franchi Cordero to get the Centerfield job. It's believed that Michael A. Taylor is gonna be the fourth guy there. Whit Merrifield is gonna patrol right field, and then they also have Edward. Uh, Livieres and Nick Heath to help with the experience. 
Um, their bullpen was a fantastic strength in 2020, which is a surprise. They had a fantastic bullpen. They did lose Trevor Rosenthal, but they brought back Greg Holland, and they have on paper a good staff. Um, they have Scott Barlow, Tyler Zuber, Jacob Eunice, and Greg Holland. That's a pretty good bullpen. They also have Wade Davis, who absolutely lost, forgot how to pitch when he went to Colorado, but this was a strength last year. Their starting pitching is bad. That is the biggest weakness on this team. Their starting pitching is not good. Their rotation is very, very weak. It's Brad Keller, Danny Duffy, Brady Singer, Mike Miner, and Chris Bubik. That's not a good rotation. They also don't really have a lot of depth either, so they may still look out for those veterans who can help with the uh, depth. And then they non-tendered Michael Franco, which was kind of surprising um, considering he had decent numbers. So third base is a weakness for them. They have some guys who are worth watching. They're going to surprise some people. I think they win 75 games this year, and they're kind of that Marlins team where they're a little pesky to play because you feel like they're not good, but they don't just roll over and die every time they play them. They're going to be tough out, like I said, and they're about three years or so away, but it's a pretty good start for Kansas City with new ownership. Oh, yeah, I forgot, and they're partially owned by Patrick Mahomes too, right? Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is a minority owner. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely a good direction for the Royals, which is nice to see from a small market team. Uh, seems like a lifetime ago when they were in back-to-back World Series and inevitably won one over the Mets. Um, and they do have some of those pieces in place. None of them are the same players, obviously, you know, now six years removed. Salvador Perez is really one of the, I guess, the only key core uh, left. And he's getting older and plays uh, a premier position and catcher. So who knows how long he'll be effective there. Alex Gordon retired. So, you know, that was their long tenured guy face of the franchise. So it is kind of turning over a new leaf and it remains to be seen who kind of takes up that mantle. Um, But I have them at 72 wins. I think the first half of the season, they're, you know, pesky is a good word. You know, they're in a lot of games. They're not getting blown out. They're not exactly a rollover team. But I do think they sell at the deadline to stock up their farm system as any team who's not in contention and does not view themselves as a contender should do. It's the right move. Hint, hint, Mike Rizzo. But um, that, you know, final win total doesn't really um, paint a good picture of how well uh, this team is set up for the future because I do believe they are making good moves. Um, it's just a matter of if they can get some of these young pitching prospects that they have in their um, farm system to kind of pan out at the major league level because, Ryan, as you said, that rotation is one of the worst in baseball, if not the worst. So I agree. Not this year, but future looking good. And as we like to do on this show, whenever we come across a team like this, uh, we like to say something nice. Um so, Ryan, say something nice about the Tigers. Yeah, so the Tigers finished in fourth place for the third time in four years. Um, but there's some pretty good news. The rebuilding efforts did pick up last year. They called up their top prospects in Casey Mize, Tariq Skubal, Isaac Perez, Dak Cam- uh, Daz Cameron, and Willie Castro is continuing to develop. And he had a pretty surprise candidate in the cleanup hitter who had a great season last year in Yaimar uh, Candelario. They do have some pieces. They have a good farm system. They called up their top prospects who got good experience. They hired A.J. Hinch to one to redeem himself. And also, they got a good proven manager who wins with a team that thinks 
they're on a pretty good path. The Tigers think that they are going perfectly along the rebuilding path, and they also see 2021 as a crucial time period for that. They brought back Jonathan Scope, who could be a very, very nice trade candidate at the deadline. They have Miguel Cabrera still there, riding away. Poor guy. Um, the rest of the roster isn't good. The rotation is full of young guys, but that's good. They're going to let their young guys get developed, and who really knows, they could develop in someone like Lucas Giolito. The only way to get young guys good is to let them go out there and pitch every single day, which they're going to be able to do. Same as their young position players, they're going to gain a lot by playing every single day. That's the best thing I can say about the Tigers is they're letting their young guys go and they're letting their prospects play. Their team is not good. If you live in Detroit, I am very sorry, not only because the Lions suck, but the Tigers suck as well. And the Pistons. Yes, Detroit. Yeah, Detroit sports and, and the Red good. Wings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, they're they're all rebuilding. And, and Gen Z's canceling Eminem, so <laughs> it's just not good for Detroit. Tool Time left Detroit. You know, it hasn't been the same since Tool Time went off the air. You're not going to be good. You're going to get another top pick, which is exciting because this is a very good draft class. Um, you have a good pick again this year. You're going to have another one next year. Enjoy that because you're only going to win about 55 games. Yeah, it's going to be uh, 59. It ain't going to be pretty. Uh, but Jonathan Scopo is someone I was going to uh, bring up for my nice, uh, be nice to the Tigers, just because he was some, someone I would have loved the Nats to have signed. And, you know, I'm sure he was being viewed um, for a couple of teams that consider themselves contenders or on the on the cusp, unlike the Tigers. Um, the Tigers do have a lot of, you know, promising pieces. Casey Mize probably being the biggest one. I mean, he's he's a 1-1 first overall pick, uh, I believe, in 2018 or 2019. So, you know, he's up in the majors ahead of a lot of, you know, timelines for these top picks. You know, it usually it takes years and years and years before you see these guys. But Casey Mize is here now. And, Ryan, like you said, these young guys are going to get their real shot. And it, it might not be pretty. You might see some 5 R or five ERAs and, you know, 200 batting averages but it's the experience up at the big club with you know a, a veteran manager like aj and hinge he's had a lot of success feel how you want to feel about him that's perfectly fine but it's a good managerial um hire for a young rebuilding team because aj hinge did that with the astros he wasn't there the entire time but he knows what it's like to have a young core come up and have a lot of success. So, again, that's a perfect guy to insert into a hopeful Detroit Tigers organization. So I think there is a lot to be excited about, not only for the Tigers, but for a lot of, or for a couple of teams in the AL Central. So, I mean, this has kind of been a rollover division for the past couple of years, but if we're talking 2023, 2024, this division might be the new, like, NL East, whereas... It's, it's who's going to win because every team has a legitimate shot, not because, you know, every team sucks. And it's, you know, who, who can just survive the longest. So definitely a lot to look forward to in the AL Central, but that is all we have. We will do the AL East on Thursday. Amanda should be back. And we do have an interview, I believe, but we'll, we'll tease that later. Ryan, let's get to our one big thing. Um, what's yours? Uh, my one big thing is that Kyle Schorber and Josh Bell are looking pretty good so far. Um, I hate saying this, but 
Castle is looking the best he ever has physically. Um, he said he's toned down his weight and he is playing rather well. Josh Bell is also looking pretty good. And if those two bounce back, the Nats lineup will take a huge, huge boost. So that's fantastic. That's fantastic to hear because the Nats truly need that big time. Um, but on the other side of that, that could just because, like I said, there's nothing to do this winter. So only guys worked out. But I don't know. I feel like I may buy myself a Kyle Schwarber jersey. I'm kind of feeling it. And I'm all in on Schwarber. I'm going to say it. Kyle Schwarber shack was a thing. I laughed at it when they signed him because I couldn't believe they actually signed him. Um, he's probably only going to hit 220 this year. But I'm getting a Kyle Schwarber jersey. You heard it here first. I like it. And that's actually where I was going with mine. Because um, for those of you who didn't see and I said at the top of the show, OPT and Tyler uh, launched their new, their uh, newest video in their player profile series, and it was on Kyle Schorber. Watched that this morning, and I was like, damn, you know, if this thing pans out or is close to what we would hope for Kyle Schorber, it's going to be a pretty nice addition. Like, it really is a low-risk, high-reward. Yeah, we're giving him $10 million, Maybe, Maybe that prevented us from signing someone else, but... You know, there's a lot of upside there with Kyle Schorber. Um, and Ryan, like you said, he looks great physically and has always been able to mash, which is what we needed in this lineup. So he might provide something very valuable to this team. It's just a matter of can he be consistent and keep the strikeout numbers down and the on-base percentage and OPS up. That's going to be the key with a lot of NAS players. So definitely keep an eye on that. Um, but my one big thing is kind of a continuation of what I've been saying is that I am now an optimist for the Nats. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, but it, it's kind of fun to get excited. I'm not a big spring, spring training guy. Never will be. I think it, it's dumb to put too much stock into spring training. If you like going for autographs and being a more intimate experience, I understand. But it's just not my thing. But it is cool to see, you know, some of our, off-season acquisitions and guys we're counting on do pretty well. So, you know, I'm going to let myself enjoy it while it lasts because as we've seen with the Nats in the past, it may not last all that long, especially with our uh, April schedule, which we will get to when we get to our uh, season predictions and, and Nats episode here later this month. But, uh, Ryan, that does it for our first episode without DC Natchak. Um, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I feel like I'm a new person. Um, it's a little toasty in my room right now, though, so I had to turn my fan on. Um, so that's always been a thing. But, yeah, I'm a new person. I've, I've turned a new leaf, and Shaq is dead. Make sure you but get Shaq some uh, um, Manscaped ball deodorant so you don't get too toasty oh, down Of course there. I will. I'm going to use it with my gallon margarita to make sure I'm <laughs> nice and cool. Man, we <laughs> are living. <laughs> <laughs> all right amanda will be back on thursday for those of you that missed her it will not be a um i was gonna say all dc natchek episode but i can't even say that anymore but be sure to check out the website at halfstreethighheat.com uh follow us on twitter uh all the handles ryan's new one is at shack is dead um so if you see that on the website don't be alarmed ryan's alive it's just shack that's dead um, and be sure to check out the, the newest profile of on Jan Gomes tomorrow morning. You can find that on Twitter and the website as well. Until Thursday, catch you later.
later. I don't say it like that. <laughs> I there was one time I said it like that, and you, well, it's really you. You do that all the time. I don't say it like that. Later. That's how you say it. You say it exactly like that. Not anymore. There was one, I know the exact time when I said it because I was trying too hard to have a, a sign off phrase, and now I literally just say it now. But you put so much emphasis on it. This is why Shaq is dead. I'm saying. <laughs> There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are and bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done